4: The Shakib Al Hassan show rolls on. Bangladesh's brilliant all rounder hitting his fifth 50 plus score of the tournament before returning career best figures of 5 for 29 lead leader's side to a 62-run win over Afghanistan at Southampton. It's a victory that keeps Bangladesh in the hunt for a semi-final spot and further cranks up the pressure on England ahead of their showdown with Australia at Lords. Welcome to the Wisden Extra podcast in partnership with Betfair Exchange, our bumper World Cup show reflecting on what we've seen over the last week and previewing the action ahead. I'm your host Joe Harmon and I'm delighted to be joined by two people who I think it's fair to say have had wonderful World Cups. Perhaps not quite in the Shaki Hassan bracket but not not far off. With me today is Daniel Norcross, a Thank you familiar voice, of course, from Test Match Special. Welcome, Dan. It's lovely to be back. It's great to be looking out over the now-returned Mickey
3: Stewart Members Pavilion, where before that had the, the legend of the ICC Cricket World Cup. And it's great to see almost all of it's now gone from the Oval. There's a lift downstairs. I think there's one big banner. I spoke to Stewie about this on air the other day. Mm. He's a very relieved man to get his office back with his
4: pencils. He's be proud again of being here at the Oval with his pencils all in a nice, neat line. Everything back as it should be. Exactly. And the most enthusiastic man in cricket, wordsmith
2: and analyst for CrickViz, Mr Ben Jones. (laughs) I'm very happy with that label. Um, I'm also glad to be back at the Oval... the Cricketers office having been returned to its rightful owners um, after being taken over by the ICC, quite fairly, um, for a couple of weeks. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm back on home turf.
3: So, can I ask you, where have you been hanging out while you've been kicked out of the Oval?
2: Um, all of the World Cup matches, <laughs> every uh, single one. So, you've just been
3: looked after, essentially, by. Yeah, yeah, we've, yeah. we've, we've kind of just
2: I mean, been couch, around.
4: couch surfing across the World Cup, basically. Yeah, is I've
2: stayed in every single Cricket Writers <laughs> living room. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's n- but it's nice to be back, um, even though my enthusiasm is still at 100%. I'm glad to hear it, Ben. I'd be worried if it wasn't. Dan, let's start with you. What have you learnt
4: from the past week?
3: Well, uh, one of the things I've learnt is that all cricket matches that involve Pakistan, Bangladesh, um, India, and to a degree, Sri Lanka, have exceptional atmospheres that are completely brilliant to both commentate on and be at. Uh, I spend an awful lot of time watching English cricket in England, and it always amazes me that at sort of 2 o'clock in the afternoon, 2.30 in the afternoon, you're looking around a full ground, and yet you can sort of see 5,000, 10,000 empty seats. Mm. That's because everybody's outside queuing for a drink or chatting or nattering or playing cricket in the concourse. Bangladeshi fans, Pakistan fans, Indian fans, they sit... With rapt attention, they leap into the air at any four, any six, any wicket that their side scores, any wide that gets credited to them. And part of me thinks that the purpose of the 100 is to get new fans in. And quite seriously, these are the fans who want to get in. Absolutely. So... I don't know whether I've learnt something, but I I think we'd just be better off paying for these guys to come to the game. It would be cheaper than marketing a new competition. Just give them all twenty quid, get them into the grounds, and you'd have a fantastic atmosphere because it has genuinely been the most fun games that I have seen. I've been the ones involving these teams because TMS don't let me anywhere near the England team most of the time. So I've I've had a lot. Well, you've of time been with being
4: fortunate, and Bang- Bangladesh in particular, another win today. Oh. They've been the stars of the World Cup, the fans and the players as well. Shakib Al-Hassan having a ridiculous World Cup. We're just saying, has anyone had a better World Cup before?
3: Well, the, the only people who've had better World Cup than Shaky Al-Hassan are the, are the Bangladesh fans with two Tigers under their arms. Um, <laughs> I've, I've seen some with three, to be fair. I saw one with two. Most of them have failed to catch catches in the crowd because of the hindrance of the Tigers. But I did see one sort of grab it and keep it. While having two Tigers, I'm sure there's a baby on his head as well. It was one of the most staggering feats of, uh, of crowd catching I've ever seen.
2: They do say that fielding is kind of the next area of innovation. Maybe large, cuddly toys under each arm of mid-on <laughs> is probably the, the next stage that we need to look it's at. It's the next natural step, I think. Yeah, yeah. He has right. yeah, like helmets in the-
3: Chris Taylor will look into that, I'm <laughs> no, I am no doubt. Uh,
4: on, on Bangladesh, having beaten Afghanistan today, uh, they have two games left. Uh, against India and then against Pakistan, realistically they need to win both of those to get through to the
2: semi-finals. Can they do that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, both of those sides are obviously impressive. India slightly more so, but they're both beatable. India might be starting to rest players, might be concerned about the fitness of Bumrah, might give him a give him a blow and just say, you know, we'll bring in Shami, etc. They could play three spinners. Um, I'm not quite sure where they're playing um, Bangladesh and India, but they depending on the conditions they Lord, might Lords they play. Well, in which case, definitely, yeah. um, they, could, they could go with that, um, cause it's slow, a slower ground. But I think the Pakistan game is probably going to be the one where we're all tuning in thinking, we're going to come to England later, but Bangladesh-Pakistan could be winner-takes-all, or kind of winner gets to have the opportunity to maybe go through. It's right.
4: shaping up to be an incredible game, that one, is That isn't could it? mean oh. an awful lot.
3: And it would be pandemonium, I promise you. <laughs> I mean, that would be absolutely amazing. I, I was at Pakistan, South Africa, and that was insane. But there were about 2,000 South Africans and they were mostly lacrimose and drunk. Now, if you basically had half and half split between Pakistan and Bangladesh fans, that's that's just going to be the most electric atmosphere of any game. And But the problem is that for that game to have any meaning on it, realistically, I'm thinking that it would be England being knocked out in order to make that happen because... England played before that game on the 5th, don't they, Is their mm, last match. Yeah. So, Pakistan and Bangladesh play on the 6th.
4: Leaving the door open for the winner of that. To, exactly, yeah.
3: exactly. Um, that that's, the, that's my one slight worry, unless there's a complete implosion by New Zealand and, and you know, really tragically for the West Indies and for Carlos Brathwaite. Um, he didn't start that process the other day. We'll come on to that, I'm sure.
4: Yeah, well, um, I do want to find out what Ben has learnt this week. But as we've kind of touched on England there... I think we do need to. Uh, are we worried ahead of Australia's match? Three matches, so to be clear, three matches still to play. Uh, Australia, India, then New Zealand. We know they might need to win at least two of those to
2: go
0: through. I'd really ben, love. Are to, we worried?
2: <laughs> I'd really love to say, no, no. But logically, this is fine. That's this what I'm looking good. for. I'm looking for a stat to yeah, reassure cold me that hard fine. logic. Yeah. No, I'm absolutely terrified. <laughs> really? <Okay. laughs> absolutely, absolutely scared to death. I, I, I think that England will still go through. But it's remarkable that we've been the best team in the world. But we've been best team in the world for two years and. We've arrived at the World Cup and we've, to an extent, mucked it up enough that now we need to beat two of the three best sides in the world. Um, That is that is worrying. But is that just World Cup fever taking over and all of the kind of overthinking that comes when there's a game every day and you're just kind of examining every team, being like, well, they've all got pros, they're all good, they've all got something about them. I mean, you know, Sri Lanka beat England and they're not a good side, but they turned up on the day and Mm. suddenly you think, well, everything's up in the air. I think they'll probably beat Australia tomorrow. Lose to India and beat New Zealand and go through, but that's That's, it's it's not certain and and it should be by now.
3: I'm not sure that I'm worried because I'm not sure that I mind anymore. I know this sounds sacrilegious. I know, but I'm thinking English cricket fans have got the Ashes to look forward to later in the summer, which is fantastic. They've got five Test matches and one against Ireland as well, which would be terrific. And going back to my previous point, having wandered around this World Cup, I think what this World Cup actually needs is the likes of India, Pakistan, and Bangladesh in it because I think they're the ones that make for the very best atmosphere. And I'm not sure that I'm not sure that England being in it is is that important come the semi-finals. I mean. Aside from the fact that hardly anybody's watching it, none of the commentators and none of the players can see it. It's not available in anybody's hotel room. There are six million people watching England's women do brilliantly in the Football World Cup. And there's a tenth of that many people watching this World Cup. I think the scandalous invisibility of this tournament is what this country deserves. And therefore, I'm not sure that we deserve to get through to the knockout stages. And I think that cricket and the grounds that we're in and the matches that we're at might actually benefit from ben, totally different teams being in the semi-finals.
4: Ben I think Ben's going to pick up his chair and throw it through <laughs> the commentary <laughs> glass window and onto the turf at the Oval. Ben, respond to that, please. I mean, I'm, I'm I not, not even on question time now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to address a lot of that because I think that it's it's been a debate that's already had. But the idea that this World Cup could benefit from England not being in it is is madness. Um, we need England in this. England deserve to be in it. You need it because <laughs> because because
3: people like you, if you don't mind me saying so, Ben, have been doing. The I don't know thing. what you're going to say, but I'm going to mind been, you. Saying been so. doing the other thing that I've that, that's occurred to me this week. is you're just two things, which is that whatever analysts and everybody tells us is going on in cricket while we're watching bilateral series for two years play out in meaningless, tedious contests doesn't translate into the pressure cooker atmosphere of real proper. Tournament cricket. And I love that. I love the fact that none of the predictions any of us have made, and I've been as guilty of it as anyone else. I've done a show for Yahoo with Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon, and we said the day before England played Pakistan, there's no way England can possibly fail to beat Pakistan. The following week, we were asked the same question about Sri Lanka. Said no, no, no. I mean Pakistan on reflection, they're not a terrible team, but Sri Lanka are abysmal. And actually, England win 17 matches in a row was it chasing in England was it 17 out of 18 all you analysts like to tell us and so dear old Owen Morgan is always putting people in because he thinks that England are good chasing well come a World Cup you know what Tot- all that goes out the window. It doesn't go out the window. Well, it does, because no, it they, they know, failed to it? chase 230. Yeah, but that's... They failed to chase 350 on a flat deck at Trent Bridge. Yeah, but if they'd... Pressure. Done,
2: if they'd have done that in a bilateral series, no one says, oh, bilateral series. They're at, they go out the window. Form goes out the window during that. Like, England lost to Sri Lanka in the winter. We, we went over there and we lost an hey, OEI. Yeah, but... But we also lost only one game in this World Cup. The thing that changes in a World Cup is that the sample size becomes smaller and suddenly everything's a bit more random. It's not that form goes out the window. It's just that if something happens on one day, we all remember it. Sri Lanka also did that six months ago or whatever it was. Like, It's not outrageous. Sri Lanka aren't a terrible cricket side. They're just worse than England. But but, if if
4: England lose two of their next three, then form surely has gone out the Uh, window. That's the thing. We're saying we're, we're worried, but if form means anything then England should still be okay in this tournament. And, and also, Joe, and,
3: and and, and don't, we're, don't yeah. let him get away with this, because it, because it's not just that Sri Lanka won a match, it's that in no bilateral series of England needing to chase 230-odd, not been able to get there, they've got over the line every time with totals like that. What you saw happening was, I, I, I posit the actual real nitty-gritty of squeaky bum time in a tournament. And... You know, every commentator I've worked with who's played in the World Cup says it's totally different when it actually matters, when this is a one-off game. I know you've got a league situation, but actually each game is like a one-off game, whereas when you play in a bilateral series, you know, you lose the first one, you know, there's another four to come. The pressure isn't really there. This idea of expressing yourself is really easy to do. You just go out there and express yourself. Well, go out there and express yourself and suddenly find that you've lost your openness for next to nothing. Hmm. And then you're thinking about the table and everybody else playing everybody else. And it's no longer in your control, as we saw, because team, other teams can beat other teams. and then your failures get amplified and potentially punished. I think, I think it's, it's I think terrific.
2: I think there's definitely a degree to which the extra pressure in a World Cup changes things. That is fair. Like That's why we're seeing teams defend totals in a way that we haven't seen in ODIs. But I do also think that is a ver- that is very much a mindset which is consistent with people who work in the media within cricket and not necessarily people who work in the actual game because a lot of people in in when you're traveling from game to game and you're kind of you're doing you're commentating another game you're writing in another game you're analyzing another game we've all been there it's it's very easy to just kind of drift into like yep it's the third ODI here at Southampton and we're not really bothered Mm -hmm. whereas if you're a professional cricketer that might be the only time you play for England or it's the only time you come in like there is a different focus on what is happening there is pressure inherent in every single bilateral game that we don't feel outside of the game. And I I, I think it undermines it to say that a World Cup, which is the only time that we think a lot of people care, it's it's not fair to say that's the only time that cricketers feel pressure. They feel pressure I all the time. I agree with that. I'd Tom agree, Curran yeah. is coming in and out of the England side. He knows that every single time he comes in, he needs to deliver. He wins a game and he wins a game last year in the, in Melbourne or Adelaide, I can't remember, and no one says, Oh yeah, well he can deliver. There is
4: also the flip side of this that Sri Lanka obviously raised their game, which I think you can exactly. say is partly to do with the World Cup. If you've mm. got a if you've got well, playing, fans hey. screaming for you in a, in a in an English ground on a World Cup stage. In an English Le- ground Le- where Le- no is- England player and someone like who's done this before obviously raised his game in a way that perhaps mm. we could say he wouldn't do in a bilateral series. Absolutely. Wahab Riaz... So that's the flip side of... For me,
3: Wahab Riaz is the absolute classic example of this. In between major tournaments, there's no point picking Wahab Riaz for Pakistan because he just gives the impression that he can't be bothered. Then suddenly, out of nowhere, he's bowling his 92 world, mile per hour, reverse swinging. And he's done this before, has Yeah, he? exactly. So... Do you know, I know some people say you know, the idea of a big game player is nonsense. I just don't. I don't think that's true. Actually, I think temperament—you see it in moments like this—and also, I mean, one of the other things that maybe you can speak to is that uh, England, particularly, have had one of the highest opening partnerships for the last two years. They were averaging well over sixty when it was both any combination of Hales, Bearstow, and Roy. And they've, well, they've lost Roy through injury, and they've lost. Johnny Bairstow out first ball in two matches. Now, the first one it didn't matter so much, but it does sort of depress scores. And when you look at other sides in this World Cup, the importance of an opening partnership seems to be way larger than you might think think it ought to be I mean, a yeah. normal cricket fan might look at that and say well it's only one tenth of your wickets but oddly that first wicket going really early absolutely no, it's, depresses it's the enormous. scoring it's, in the first ten overs It's enormous it? I mean
2: I've been confounded by what's happened with Australia and I've watched a yeah. lot of Australia for the last two years I didn't think they were any good and I've been proved completely wrong and I think part of that is the fact that Finch and Warner have overperformed so enormously they've only lost a wicket in one of their World Cup games in the first ten and wow. they, admittedly they yeah. did lose four wickets <laughs> against yeah. West Indies but they won but, that game. They? exactly <laughs> yeah. they still find yeah. a way but in but in every other game they've managed to get through the first 10 when the ball is swinging which the white ball still does contrary to what people say in the first 10 it does swing and they've managed to get through that unscathed and that makes a huge difference especially when your team is so clearly divided like australia's is between anchors and hitters mm. they've essentially got mm. four anchors in the, the openers um, finch and warner then smith and kawaja and then they've got stoinis and carey and maxwell if you've got to kind of manage that slightly more in a like a blurred sense, that's quite tricky. Whereas if it's just like, get through the first 30 and then go mad, Australia can do that. And that's why they have performed. I think they've just nailed that opening partnership and that top order kind of relationship to the end of the game. Well, yeah, and bl- that's t- why
4: the, the Jason Roy absence tomorrow feels exactly. like, it, it, not a hammer blow, because England obviously have the players to recover from it, but it seems no, it Roy, a Roy, Roy, Roy's events is a... Is a a huge drop-off in terms of what they've done in international cricket and what they're capable of doing. I, I love and
2: James Vince more than basically everyone else in the country, mm. I think. Well, well you, you, me-
3: you wrote you wrote the best piece on James Vince I've ever read, which was positing that he was the unluckiest cricketer in the world. Uh, and you provided a whole series of interesting metrics for it. And as it I'm prone to do. It was extremely convincing. Um, um, was
2: James Vince read that piece and as a result was, was kind of like, oh, yeah, maybe... But he's really not kicked on since then. So I don't think I'd like to 100 again. tomorrow.
4: We know who to thank them. <laughs> um, ben, moving on. Uh, as I said, I've been anxious to know what you've learned this week. Please tell me.
2: Two things. One, um, I was visiting my girlfriend in Bath and I was coming home and I was getting walking towards the train station. And I walked past Flannery's Irish pub in Bath. And there was a Deliveroo driver, um, cyclist rather, um, who was staring at Maxwell's innings against Bangladesh and obviously it only lasted ten balls, whatever it was. Was it all Bradley or Shane? I didn't guy? ask his name, I didn't need to. <laughs> um, but he was he was completely wrapped by it and was clear and then with one ball to go, he got a, he clearly got like a call that he needed to go and pick something up and left. And as soon as he left, Maxwell got out. And I, I thought that was just like a really like beautiful poetic thing. So I've kind of learnt that like there's still kind of room for like an abstract romance in the sure. game. Uh,
3: but have you also learned though that these guys Work way harder than their bosses realize because he, I, I, 20 years ago, if I was in that job, 30 years ago. I would have pretended not to take the call. It would have come in late, uh, whatever I needed to. Because Maxwell would have come first. Yeah, as, I he, mean, should, as he always should. There's no way if you were in that job that that food would have been delivered until Maxwell's innings was over. Delivery
2: aren't, aren't really interested in uh, cricket analysts. Um, <laughs> Other food weird delivery yeah. services
4: are available. Yeah. As well. I, should, <laughs> I should mention this. Day. Um,
2: but the actual serious thing that I've um, I've learned this week was, um, well, not not really learned, but just that Ben Stokes is clearly still affected by what happened in Kolkata. Because on Friday, when he's n- so close to taking England over the line in that ridiculous close finish, mm. you could almost see something in his eye that was like, I'm going to gain redemption here. I'm doing what Brathwaite did. I'm taking an impossible situation, what those in the business called maybe a 1% win vis. And, I, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm, go- I'm going from that to a win. I'm getting us so close to the line and seeing something in his eye there where he was like, this is, this is possible. I can do this. And when he hits two sixes or two boundaries in a row and you're just like, okay, if Mark Wood can just get through this next ball, we're going to see something pretty special at the, in the next it over. It was starting to feel like that, wasn't it? It yeah, felt it like that was what was going to happen. Yeah. I mean, as much as the, Sri Lanka's performance was incredible, but I, there is a part of me that will always feel like if Stokes faces six more balls, he hits those runs. Yeah. But that's that's fine. That that can be poetic and you know, in, in history and it can be do you, do you it can be hypothetical. But I do feel like that was almost there was almost an intensity to that situation which wasn't there in every performance that Stokes has had, but he's been put in this end of game like random, you're never gonna win this situation, and it was almost like something clicked. And yeah, he's like been, this is my chance.
4: He must have been livid to have that opportunity taken away from him. Not so much Mark Wood, who who, yeah, who of got course, a decent yeah. ball, but some of the shots played before that <clears throat> we don't need to go through Owen's shot again, but they they took that chance away from Ben. Stokes, really, didn't they?
2: I think that's maybe a bit harsh. I I still feel I'm always prone to defend Moeen, but... Well, Morgan, Morgan played a terrible shot. Joe Root got strangled down the, down the leg side. If, if either of those two don't don't play those terrible shots, it's but fine.
3: There's no redemption for Ben Stokes if they stay in because they just cruise to victory. Yes, that's, that's true. So actually, he needed them to play those shots so he could have his redemptive moment. They probably did it deliberately. What he what he, what he didn't need was, and I feel sorry for him for this because I thought I was listening to it on the radio. I just arrived in Southampton and I thought, take the single off the fifth ball. Mark Wood's a perfectly capable batsman. He's mm. got he's got a highest test score of 40 or doesn't he I mean he knows he's he decent. knows what to do and he's an intelligent he bloke. Around, yeah and I knew, I knew that his plan would be not to play a Darth shot not do a Shannon Gabriel in that test match he's just gonna try and block it obviously he's got a good ball and you know those things happen I don't think I don't think Stokes can blame himself for you know, not waiting for the sixth ball to try to get the single. It not, was just, not, not in this life. It was just a whole series of circumstances that worked against England. And sometimes in cricket, you know, you write a whole piece about James Vince's luck. Sometimes the luck is against you, and and it was for England. Every every thin edge went to hand, and so every unbelievable time it was catches taken. by the
4: keeper. Exactly. But I also,
3: but it's I- the wrong keeper because it should be Dick Weller so yeah, it's you that's know the, that's the bizarre everything, everything about this is wrong and Trilogy of course, could be even and of course I'm, going to, I'm going to let Ben off the hook here now by saying that for during once. the previous you know bilateral series it would have been Dick Weller and Dick Weller would have shelled one of those and then England would have won and then it would have looked exactly like all the games that England <laughs> have played in between the World Cup cycles but it wasn't what so. are we going to talk about next Jeff <laughs>
2: um, <laughs>
4: do, you know, do you want to know what I've learnt this week yes yeah, yeah. Sure, okay. that's what I was going to ask yeah, um, make it pithy though for running me out of time. <laughs> You know, like mean, to swear on. So them. for me, it's the New Zealand of the team to watch in this tournament, which everyone's got a soft spot for New Zealand, I think. But wouldn't have necessarily said that at the start of this tournament. But they've had three nail-biting for me, finishes yeah. now. They've got the kind of general mastery of Kane Williamson, the raw pace of Lockie Ferguson, and the best village cricketer the world has ever seen in Colin de Grandhomme. <laughs> yeah. And and they just they they're t- they haven't I don't think played at their best or played especially well at times. But they've come out of three really tough situations with three wins which is well three more than England have managed in the same circumstance having had two opportunities to do so
2: I think what's really interesting with them is that they've had an incredible schedule because they've basically not had to play any good teams, especially with the rain off with India, they've essentially played the three kind of most susceptible teams in the tournament to being just rolled over. And then they've played two teams. Although one who of those
4: teams has gone on to beat the tournament favourites. Oh, so yeah, so yeah, these yeah, are the yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. But you know, but you know what I mean. Like if you could line it up ahead of the tournament, and you could plan your, you could plan your, um, your World Cup approach. Absolutely. And that, sh- and then they've essentially gone from comfortably winning their first their games against the, um, the the kind of weaker sides, and then they've gone narrowly beaten the middleing sides i know south africa haven't been good but across the board they are generally a middling side got the rain
4: off point against india as well exactly we just... they've and they've been jamming and hand, so now it's they?
2: like what's going to happen when they actually play proper tournament competitive teams like well, england and australia that's that's going to be when we decide it's, it's awkward because obviously you can't really say oh yeah we'll know how good they are when they play the good teams but that is the only real way we can know New well Stra- this
3: is my point again so you well, i'm not sure that we will because the pressure is off them that's the thing so England have played the, the games they've played with the pressure on them and succumbed to it. New Zealand haven't succumbed to pressure. I mean, I think they got so far ahead in the games they first started playing that, that really, you know, there was no way that pressure was on them, actually. And it does make me wonder about this format. I quite like the full 10 teams all playing each other. It's a brilliant I, format. I, I'm, I'm all for it. I do, though, think that there could be a slight modification in which you take the seedings of the top five sides and the bottom five sides. Hmm. And you front load load those games. So the teams between first, second, third, fourth and fifth play each other first and six, seven, eight, nine and ten play each other first. So that you... Because we've got a few teams that are, are away and over the hill. Yeah. And I think if we'd put the big... The more fancy teams playing each other first and the less fancy teams yeah, playing I each other first. Yeah, I don't mind that. First, you'd have an interesting looking table. You'd have a really interesting table and then those matches would all have big pressure on them and you'd also build confidence in the teams that are lower down the table to believe that in this game if we can beat New Zealand or we beat India or we beat Australia or England It becomes a bit more knockout. One, yeah, I can see that. I, I like that. And I, and I do think that it's a real shame that England are playing the three toughest games at the end. It's worked out okay because England have uncharacteristically messed up against Pakistan and Sri Lanka in games they should, have, they ought to have won. But had they not done that, this tournament would be absolutely wretched. I mean, we have to be really grateful both to Sri Lanka and to England, for messing that up. Because if, if England had won that game, and if England had beaten Pakistan, then we would have nothing here to talk about. And, the format, the, the, lo- and
4: the format that you're both saying you like would have been would absolutely pillaried. Would have been for, pilloried. Yeah. Yeah. Almost been pilloried, like what's actually
2: happened is, is, is better than what everyone just said was going to happen. It's weird if you actually just wait for the games to be played. Rather than so assuming yeah. every team who's the favourite will Rather win Rather than game, just looking at the yeah. start of thinking, well, if there, are, if there are no upsets, then it's going to be really boring. But, but you but know what? It's the World Cup. There are upsets. But you take my point, though, because we've still
3: got three teams that are that are so, so likely to go through out of four. I mean, out of, yeah, in, of course. In India, Australia and New Zealand. And had they been playing each other and England? And uh, who was number five at the start of this? would it have been South Africa, probably in the top five. Uh,
2: no, South Africa was third.
3: Third, right? So South Africa would have been in that yeah. top four. No, no upsets. So, but, but those <laughs> sides would have played three. each other, and those other sides would have played each other. And this table, we would be speculating like crazy and saying, "Oh my God, England go into their game against Pakistan, knowing they've got to win because they've lost two of their first four. You know, uh, I, just, I just think that that would have been terrific. I don't know. I don't know whether they thought about it or didn't think about it. Or I'm kind of anti
2: contrivance in these kind of situations because part of the fun of the World Cup is that it's just like, well, you know, if you get the luck of the you, the luck of the draw, literally. Yeah. You're kind of in it. You could. You you get New a good Zealand schedule. Really did get yeah, exactly. Jordan, and suddenly they've they won all yeah. their games and they're right in amongst it. And and New Zealand probably they they've performed really well, but they're not they're not that good. They could win the World Cup, but they're not streets ahead of everyone else. They're not leading the table after four games. Good. No. They've just been a bit lucky with the schedule which is fine that's kind of the point of a world cup is that it's that element of random which is why i'm slightly against the idea of in any way rigging it but yeah. i do i do like the idea i think there's this in that i
3: think where where the, where things might also get interesting for them though is that they've not yet really been on these slower pitches now when, when we were first watching this world cup all sorts of things were blowing our minds when they People were being hit in the head. There were lovely sort of fast decks that were encouraging brutalist fast bowling. It was taking us back. Uh, All the things that we sort of weren't expecting. We were expecting sort of flat tracks and 350s and 400s. Now, I've just sort of noticed from when I've been to about 12 of these games and watched the others, the pitches, they look different. Now, I don't know whether groundsmen have been told to do something. I, I firmly believe that at the start of the tournament, the pitches played true to Eng- these English pitches types. Now that was an oval pitch they played on for the matches that were here. Um, there was a Trent Bridge pitch exactly as we would expect, but the um, it's it's the Hampshire Bowl got me sort of slightly concerned because that's not a pitch that is so grabby that you're struggling to get 230 when India nearly got beaten no, by it Afghanistan be big yeah there. I mean that, it's, a big, it's a big ground it's a big ground so you're not getting your 400s because you're not hitting the 6s but it's easy to bat on uh, James Vince scores those runs there it's a, it's a lovely lovely deck <laughs> unnecessary deck un- yeah. enormous <laughs> it's a lovely it's a lovely deck to bat on but actually these last couple of games it's been horrible and, and you know Afghanistan could have won that game Partly because that pitch totally equalised the qualities of the two teams. Jasprit Bumrah, Mamashami were superb. But suddenly, Mujib, who's looked pretty rubbish in this tournament up to then, um, Rashid Khan, who got a fearful shellacking in the hands of Owen Morgan, suddenly, on that pitch... It was like they were playing back in the conditions they are familiar with. And I don't know whether anybody's been involved, whether there's been any any interference. But it's not like we've had loads and loads of hot sunshine. It's not like there's any reason why suddenly these things should have turned into grabby, tricky dust bowls.
4: That Afghanistan India game seemed to be, to me, the day that Spin came into the tournament after a very, very slow start um, where we've been kind of talking about the pace. We'd look at the leading wicket-takers. You've got Amir, Archer, Stark, Ferguson, Wood, Cummins. Until today, Imran Tahir was the only spinner in the top 11 leading wicket takers in the tournament Shaqib's now into that list right. as well but the last few days there does seem to be spinners are finally having their say Imran Tahir yeah. here bowled very well um, against Pakistan as well D- Ben do you think is there is there data to back this up are spinners now
2: yeah there's always data to back up your opinions Jay? whatever you want <laughs> not whatever you want um, yeah so in the tournament as a whole spinners averaged 44 and pace has averaged 29 but in the last four days that's gone to 30 for pace and 34 for spin so they've really come back together pace will al- always average less because of the way that they bowl. The death, so it, they always take cheap wickets. Yeah. But basically, there's, there's a form of parity there now because we're talking about slow, horrible wickets. I think that's always the way you want a tournament to go, really, isn't it? You want hard, like proper fast bowling at the start when everyone's you know slightly blindsided, and then as the tournament goes on, you want the, you want kind of nibbly de Grandom types to start taking yeah. wickets, and why? then spe- because then you get something for everyone. That's the whole point yeah, of a long but World but Cup. Yeah, but, no, you but don't I just don't, want but, Archer to be any, the only guy who can
3: take wickets. No, I don't understand that. I, I, I see no reason why. It's not like a five-day Test match a World Cup I mean you could have slow nibbly wickets at the beginning you could have fast wickets at the end Is it, what What my suspicion is that actually something's happened and they've said hmm these pitches are a bit too good for the fast bowlers we want to bring all the spinners into it and I'm not sure that I totally 100% like it. I
2: mean I might be I might just be being suspicious for no reason at all but I, I, I don't I think s- if it had been the other way around I'd be a lot more I, suspicious if a look, pitch that was going from being slow and low to suddenly being fast mm. we've essentially seen the natural degradation of a pitch but just across a- are we overestimating yeah, aber- 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 the impacts? Yeah,
4: that groundsmen can have in such a short space of time? Not really. If you no? if you if you if you take the grass off, because
3: there was there was there was more grass on pitches. There's no doubt about it. At the start of the tournament, there was more grass on the pitches than
4: there is now. Just, it would be a strange you know, move, given that everyone was celebrating the kind of return yeah. of fast
3: bowling. Well, I know congratulating yeah but there's all sorts of strange
2: the, moves the in international last time i was on i was saying that it was the the most short balls that have bowled in a world cup where it had been recorded and the best average for those short balls and that has decreased there have been fewer short balls since then so it does suggest that the pitches have across the board got slower got lower and been less conducive to kind of chin music bowling
3: old chafford will be key because old chafford when it's at its best is great for fast bowlers and spinners because it has bounce and carry and there's enough turd in there for the spinners actually it sort of should be the perfect wicket for India really it hasn't
2: really been like that for years though like as a, in a as a white ball grand
3: but it did do it was quite handy i thought The games that we've seen in it so far, it's had a bit of pace in it, has had a bit of bound, But that's part of the problem for poor old Rushi Khan, actually. I mean, part of it was his his lengths were a bit wonky, weren't they? He got a bit too short. Yeah, he bowled terribly. He he bowled too short to to Morgan. But partly because he didn't trust it to be able to give it enough flight and to think that it would grab for him. And as a result, you know, Morgan was pumping him downtown and he was pumping his short ball over deep mid-wicket. So he felt sort of neutered by that. I'd be interested to see what happens with Old Trafford over the next few games in the tournament, and there's a semi-final there as well. Yeah. Well, I think
2: this this is um, I, I wrote about this today about the idea that it's quite an awkward thing for England that we're essentially looking at the three semi-finals being at the three lowest scoring grounds in the country. Sorry, the, the, yeah, the, the three final. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Edge, Old Trafford, and Lords are the three worst grinds in the country for for batting, really, in terms of how many runs are scored on them. So, suddenly, it's like, even if England do get through, they're confronted with conditions that aren't really their they're over. They're not. It's not. It's not what they do well. And oh God, ben, you're just getting me more worried and worried by the second. Yeah, I'm right, on Pakistan, Pakistan Bangladesh final. Yes. I mean, yeah. It, this one thing being terrified. It's one thing <laughs> wanting it to actually happen, which is just incredible. So what about Pakistan?
4: <laughs> what about Pakistan then obviously we uh, written off. I mean, it's so cliched. It's hard to even talk about it. written off Pakistan. Pakistan with three games to go. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I I wouldn't be surprised at all if they beat New Zealand on it's Wednesday. It's in the stars, Joe. It's in the stars when they won. mean they suddenly got two and we got. Yeah. Amir uh, Wahab Bowling fast Bowling brilliantly In the case of Amir Shadow Cause, Khan's cause famously, They've suddenly now Got pace They've got spin Which is what we, what we Expect they've
3: got from pace Famously when got Pakistan spin, They've got seasons <laughs> Etc When ca- Pakistan
2: Starts to <laughs> play well Famously they always Just carry on playing well That's how it works they, Correct. Just, they start playing well And then they never Get bad again I think they'll probably Lose to New Zealand And it'll be very exciting Because Pakistan Have a huge social media presence And everyone loves them Doing well Because it's exciting They fill the grounds But it would be surprising If they won their last three games That would be really Impressive if they It did that. would But in 90, yeah, look, the, Yay, every, in 92. I was like, minus it, three it's, years it's, old. It's all, about,
3: it's all about spookiness with these guys. It's an identical and record. They right? absolutely love it. What they love is win one, lose one, rained off one, lose one, then win, 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 win. Now, the difference is they've got to win six. And the other difference is they've got some quite tough games to get through to do that. But... The way they played against South Africa is—is it, is
2: it that South Africa was so rubbish? They were a different team. I feel betrayed yesterday. by the nation of South Africa. I pumped them up so much oh, in the World Cup. I went so big on them. All
3: because of David Miller, you see. I mean, you know. well, he's a very handsome man. It will happen to a person.
4: But um, I do think yeah. that they, they let you down badly, haven't they? And they how is your laptop eating? Delicious, it's it's absolutely yeah, delicious. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, it's really, yeah, it's re- it's really thrilling. They me. were di- the ball. I mean, they it's were the awful. Wor- they're the, the worst poor. South
4: African
3: team to play in a World Cup. Uh, yeah, it's but but. The other thing that I think You've got to be scared about With Pakistan Is that they've suddenly Worked out that Harris Sahail has to play And Mm. he, he gives it A serious tonk So that They've also worked He doesn't out normally. That, well, he did yesterday. Yes, and but he doesn't you, normally. And, and if he's playing instead of Shoaib Malik. Yes, that's got Which a, he obviously should be. To the be doing. Side, I right? mean, you're, yeah. you're carrying a 45 year old in Shoaib Malik. Um, that's insane. So they've, they've dealt with that, got rid of that. I just think. I'm not. I mean, I think their bowling's an issue, isn't it? Because Shaheen Afridi. They've not got better. Hassan Ali. Yeah, but they've Matt, just played some well, bad teams. But Mohamed Amir is up there with He's the, having one the of the great best, World Cups. The best seamers in this tournament isn't he and again yet again this is a guy who I think Andy Zoltzman said in fourteen matches before the World Cup, he'd taken what five wickets. I, was think, he'd, it? I
2: think he'd taken. I think he'd taken three wickets three. since
3: the Champions Trophy, right? And how
2: many so is he three taken? wickets
4: in an afternoon? How has he taken? Right, fifteen in this tournament.
3: Join, so, join so high he's fought, fifteen taken. is <laughs> actually more than three. Yet again, big name, big games bring out there is, with Wahab Riaz, Mohammad Amir. Suddenly, those two Pakistanis are on fire. I think there's there's a chance that they could make it through. Now. Whether they can do a repeat of the Champions Trophy and beat India the second time, having lost the first time, I don't know. But Can, well, I, if they, can if I just if say, I, and
2: I'm happy to uh, the, take the hit on Twitter for this, that would be so funny if it happened. Can you imagine if it happened again, that Pakistan beat in, lost to India in the group and then beat them in the final? That would well, be Well, if England
4: lose to Australia tomorrow, then they'll be even more buoyed at the prospect <laughs> of those last three games. Um, it's at this point that we... Uh, go to our betting experts. Over the course of the tournament, we've been hearing from Betfair's betting experts uh, who've been giving us a guiding hand. Earlier, Wisdomsville Walker caught up with Paul Krishnamurti for his weekly tips. As ever, please do bet responsibly.
1: Okay, I'm delighted to say that uh, we've been joined by Paul Krishnamurti, professional gambler and Betfair cricket analyst uh, who's got his eye on a few uh, interesting bets for the next few games. What have you got for us, Paul? Firstly, outright bets.
0: Okay, so first bet I had in the tournament was about New Zealand each way, so I've now covered that, because they're, they're already going to get to the semi, so I'm going to have a chance. But I've now bet India at 3.5. Okay. I can't see how those odds get any bigger, really, in
1: mm-hmm. the short term. So Even think think that India are the qualified. best side? They are the best side. Up. They have been so far, and there has to be serious doubt over England qualified now. They've got the three hardest, potentially hardest games to finish, and they've probably got
0: to win two of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what's next? First up, New Zealand-Pakistan, which is just the ultimate crunch game, isn't it, for everybody? Because I think if Pakistan win that, every chance they're going to get to 11 points. Now, um, Pakistan are outside is 2.3 there. Now, as much as I love New Zealand, I think they're an excellent one-day outfit. They did look a bit vulnerable in the last game, and mm-hmm. they haven't beaten the very top-class sides. Pakistan always have been top-class, and they. I think these pitches are going to start to suit them more and more now. OK, I like that. Uh, and finally? So then we've got um, West Indies at in, in India, Old Trafford. In that game, can't see anything but an India win. We'll be doing West Indies under 260 runs at around 2.4, 2.5, hopefully. So it's a spinners track at Old Trafford? Yeah, I mean, it's a spinners track. There's plenty of turn and bounce. I don't see really how many teams get to 260 on a pitch like that against India, especially West Indies, really, who are... I think, you know, bar the odds, super they are pretty
1: vulnerable. Okay. So three good ones there. Do you have one more for us? Okay. Um, I would say on
0: Friday, speciality bet, South Africa v Sri Lanka. Mm-hmm. South Africa to score the most sixes will be around four to five, eight to 11. This is just such a great bet. This has been, I've been following this in all the Sri Lankan games. Um, they don't hit enough sixes. Mm-hmm. And you compare
1: that to South Africa, they've hit nineteen, compared to Sri Lanka's ten, and that's South Africa at their at their worst. Yep. You know, got nothing to lose, I think they'll hit a few on Friday. So South Africa most six is against Sri Lanka. That's right. Nice one. Thanks ever so much Paul. Speak to you soon.
4: Thanks, Phil. Uh, and now we come to the bit of the show where Phil and I seem to be playing the betting equivalent of Pin the Tail on the Donkey, the Phil v. Joe betting challenge. Uh, Bet Exchange have kindly given £100 each to Phil and I, with any funds remaining at the end of the tournament, and we make no promises here, being donated to the charity Chance to Shine, who do impressive work taking cricket into state schools. Here's what Phil and I had to say for ourselves.
1: Four weeks in, Joe. Where are we at with our bets? What's still live running for you from the start of the tournament, first of all?
4: From the start of the tournament, this is fast becoming uh, an embarrassment. Well, Jason I, Roy, I know this now. Jason Roy to be tournament leader round scorer, not my fault. Clearly, bad news for England that he's, he's still not going to play against Australia as well. So that one's not looking at all good. Well, that's done, basically. yeah' has to get the wooden spoon, looking worse by the minute. Uh, probably mm-hmm. going to win the thing now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Pat Cummins to be tournament leading wicket-taker. He's on 11, four behind the uh, leading pack. So possibly, but looking looking tough for that one, I'd say. Uh, as well. If he has a day out, though. He does, but you've got what, Stark, Archer and Amir on 15. So you'd think to catch all three of those is, is a tough ask. It's I would the say. Stark. If it's head-to-head, we start with a four. Wicket head start. Yeah. he bowls at the more favourable wicket taking times as well. In terms of the death, where he, Stark always picks up a few. Okay, just for the record, mine
1: still running uh, Rohit Sharma uh, for overall tournament runs. He's on three twenty at the moment. Although Amir, failed against Afghanistan, he did, didn't he? A yeah. mere hundred and fifty six behind Shaqib Al hassan who's currently leading with Warner just behind him at four four seven, and Joe Root at four two four. Now Joe Root's uh, position there, fourth in the list, third in the list rather. Is relevant because my other long-term bet is Root and England at thirty-three. The famous to one. double, yes, yeah. yes. Uh, I also have the cock, um, Quinton de Cock, but let's not worry about that one. Um What do you have coming up for the next few days?
4: So, starting with England Australia at Lords, um, I've got Root and Smith to be top scorer for their respective teams at seventeen to one on the That's Sportsbook. Good. Yeah, That's well, good. I think. Massive game um, with the pressure that there is. I don't necessarily expect it to be quite as high scoring as as, as some other games have been, particularly in England's recent past. Uh, and I think it's just a, it's a day for the kind of class players to stand up. So I think Root and Smith maybe you're looking at two seventy two eighty totals, and and they often end up being the leading scoring totals like that. That's very good. Smith made a double hundred in a Test match there as well, so he'll have good vibes there. Yeah. yeah i like that a lot next um and then i've got pakistan to beat new zealand at, as do i at 2.3 on the exchange my thinking there is that new zealand have had three very tight games and and not been lucky to get out of them because they played well to do so but i feel like they're going to get beaten at some point in this group stage you know? mm-hmm. and a pakistan side buoyed by that win over south africa with a semi-final spot now up for grabs potentially uh I think I could see Pakistan coming away with a win in that one. They have to play desperate
1: cricket now, Pakistan, don't they? Mm. And there's an enormous incentive there for them. Okay, I like that. And your final of the three,
4: and my final one of the three is Rohit Sharma to top score for India versus West Indies on Thursday. Uh, odds aren't up on Sportsbook yet, but I'd imagine it about seven to two. That's what he was last time I backed him. Uh-huh. Uh, he doesn't fail twice in a row too often. West Indies when they fail to take early wickets they've looked a bit lack, lacking kind of penetration in the middle over. So I think if Sharma can see off the new ball, he could just bat on and on and on. And we know he's pretty tough to dislodge when he gets in. Excellent stuff. Okay, uh, for mine then, my three for this
1: upcoming week, uh, I've gone with <laughs> England to beat Australia and Pakistan to beat New Zealand um, on Sportsbook at 4-1. to one. Yeah. Uh, as discussed with Pakistan, I think we both fancy him, um, fancy them. Uh, I've also looked at... It's slightly counterintuitive because I've just said that I think Pakistan will beat New Zealand, but New Zealand are already in the in the semi-finals, and they are a very interesting. Um, you can get them at eights on the exchange to win the whole tournament. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. So I put a I put a couple of pennies on on New Zealand at eights on the exchange. Um, oh, I like that.
4: I, I had noticed that, and it, it that does look very long, particularly when you consider uh, they are a stick on for the last four. Yeah. And the England's odds are much, much shorter than that. And they're fighting for their lives in this in- England
1: are 3.4, uh, as are India. India are 3.5, Australia 3.75. And then a huge jump to it, to mm. New Zealand at eight. And yet there is very little, really, to separate um, New Zealand from any of those three, for me. And finally, I've gone for uh, Shea Hope to be top runs um, against India uh, later on in the week. So, uh, what, hope- what odds hope- for that?
4: Well, I've got him yet. Uh, oh, so he's not, not available yet?
1: N- not available yet, but I'm expecting it'll be around 7-2, to 3-1. to one. That's been the go-to for most openers in the tournament. He has had an in-and-out tournament so far, but he's made two good scores. He made a 96 and a 68 against Bangladesh and Australia, and a couple of failures here and there. So by the rhythm of Shea Hope's tournament so far, uh, he failed last week, so I think he, he may be in the runs this time around, and he plays well against India. Uh, he averages 63 in ODIs against India... He plays the spinners very well in particular. And I think he's a very fine player in emerging ODI force. So uh, I fancy Shea Hope. Uh, um, as I say, it'll be around 3-1, to one, maybe 16-5 to five or 7-2. to two. So I fancy him top runs against India. OK, well,
4: let's see how we go.
1: Yeah, good stuff. Cheers.
4: OK, that's just about that for today. Um, Dan, which game are you up to next?
3: I've uh, got a little bit of time off until I've got the delights of Pakistan, Afghanistan, followed by my England game. I go from Leeds to Birmingham for England, India, superpower number one. <laughs> and uh, that could be an edge bastion, absolutely thriller, especially if England have lost to New
4: Zealand, uh, to, to Australia, Australia, I beg your pardon. Yeah, if they've lost to Australia, they then could that'll be a must-win game. It could be actually a must-win game, which it I think has be. been described the Australia game, which is not true, but... Yeah, it's not. It's, it's literally, literally not. A must, not it literally, must win. It literally <laughs> is not a must win. No, but it would. But India, England India
3: possibly, almost probably, would be must win if they've uh, if England have lost to Australia. So th- those are my two assignments, and then I, I stay in Birmingham for the match on the second, which is uh, another. Well, well, well it, we don't know if it's a thriller because every so much on it depends on this week, doesn't it? New yeah. Zealand plus mm. Australia, and you know,
2: it's moving week.
3: It's moving. Yeah, it's
2: moving week. It's like day. It's like day three of a test. Yeah, and Ben.
4: Lords tomorrow? You're um, England, Australia?
2: I'm just looking at my schedule now. I'm going to Lords tomorrow. Then I'm going to New Zealand, Pakistan on Wednesday. Then I'm going to Pakistan, Afghanistan on Saturday. And then England, India on Sunday. <laughs> and then every other game. It's um, great Craig David. This, never yeah. stop. <laughs> yeah, I was offering you a Sunday um, there. Yeah, it's it's going to be a mad old week. I'm just... I'm. I don't know. I, I think the game that I'm actually most excited about is New Zealand-Pakistan. because For the, all the reasons we've talked about, in terms of Pakistan have all the amazing support and they need to win and New Zealand don't need to win. Mm. And actually, if that game... If Pakistan get ahead in that game, that could get really intense. Because New Zealand have shown that they're winning... You know, they're winning the really tight contest. They beat, beat South Africa, beat the West Indies when it came down to it. Like, they can stay in the game they can hang, hang in and just kind of they can keep fighting but actually if Pakistan really get their get their tails up that could be a brilliant atmosphere I think that
4: Wednesday game, I think that's set for an absolute classic I think we're going to have a good one there uh, The Wisdom Cricket Daily Podcast will be back tomorrow with all the reaction to that monster of a match at Lords. Uh, thank you very much Dan and thank you very much Ben for joining me
3: enormous pleasure as always
4: always always uh, this has been the Wisdom Extra Podcast in partnership with Betfair Exchange thanks for joining us and don't forget to subscribe